Welcome to Voices of the Ancestors, where we explore Georgian polyphonic songs and the women who sing them. Hello, the voices today are me, Holly Taylor-Zuntz, and me, Susan Thompson, and our guest today is Zoe Perret, a French singer who's been living in Tbilisi for 14 years. If you listened to the very first episode of the podcast, you would have heard our guest Jen Morris mention Zoe and how exciting it was for her to see a non-Georgian woman singing Georgian songs and speaking the language so well. And in that way, she's been a great example to me too, you know, seeing her sing alongside Georgians as if she were almost an honorary Georgian or showing me that there is a light at the end of the tunnel with Georgian language. (laughs) Yes, and you've mentioned language. I'd like to thank Zoe for agreeing to be interviewed in English, which is not her first language. It might even be her third or fourth language. Yes, but she does it so well. And Zoe is well known in the folk scene in Tbilisi. When you mention her name, everyone says, oh, you know Zoe, I love her. And she's accomplished. But that doesn't mean she's not still hungry for knowledge. She's still fascinated by Georgian polyphony. Um, For example, she said that she's intrigued to see, for example, how should my body be when I sing this Megrelian song versus how should it be when I sing a Kachetian song? Or how is it different when you're singing on a stage versus waiting for Khachapuri round the super table? (laughs) Yeah, that thirst for knowledge is still there, isn't it? And it was when she was speaking, you, you really sort of felt those everything that it can be to be on a stage, the expectations one has of oneself. And then just the fact that she'd observed that it affects Georgians in just the same way as it does anyone else. Mm. And it was really wonderful to hear her insights into the culture, the singing culture. And I was really pleased to be able to ask her from her perspective as a single woman in Georgia and someone who has set up and run a business for six or seven years, just how she felt the balance of the sexes was, what her perspective was. And it was great to have those first-hand observations. Mm. Yeah, I love that little gem right at the end of the interview. And Zoe loves to be inclusive and she's learnt from and sung with so many people over the years that she was quite careful not to mention too many names so that she didn't miss anyone out, wasn't she? <laughs> she was. But one ensemble that she was very happy to talk about was her collaboration with her own family at the International Symposium for Traditional Polyphony. Mm, that was great. So, listeners, sit back and enjoy the show. By the way, if you enjoy this episode, you might consider buying Susan and I a coffee on Ko-fi or becoming a patron on Patreon. All the information can be found on our website under Donate, or just click the link in the show notes. But for now, here's Zoe. Hello Zoe, welcome to the podcast. Would you introduce yourself for us? Thank you for hosting me. My name is Zoe, Zoe Perret. Um, I was born in France, in the south of France, um, and um, I can say I was connected to music since my early childhood, since I started to um, play violin at the age of six. And the whole, um, all my life, I was singing in different choirs. And as a student, I was studying, um, amongst others, ethnomusicology. I got interested in uh, traditional polyphony, and uh, decided to first, actually, during my master's degree, uh, since I was studying Russian as well, I went to Russia to first uh, get introduced to um, um, polyphony of oral tradition from Varonishka Oblast, so from um, a specific region in in Russia. Uh, But then when I uh, came back to... Paris, I had a chance to work uh, in a small festival in the south of France uh, that was dedicated that year to South Caucasus. And that's when I first met my Georgian friends, new Georgian friends, as well as people from Azerbaijan and Armenia. And uh, it was for me a wonderful discovery. 
um, both musically and musically speaking. Mm. So from my studies as from my studies of ethnic musicology, I knew a little bit about uh, Georgian singing, but um, combined to this human experience that I had with Georgians, I thought, okay, this is the uh, this is a wonderful opportunity to go uh, a little bit deeper to that culture. And okay, now after the festival, I need to go to Georgia. I need to meet these people, and I need to. Um, understand and practice more about uh, this Georgian polyphony. So I decided that was back in 2006, um, 14 years ago already. Uh, and I decided then to uh, come to Tbilisi. I found a little uh, project as a volunteer. So I was supposed to stay here only for one year. But of course, at the end of this year, <laughs> I said, okay, this is not enough. Uh, I need more time to get to more uh, get to know more about the culture and also about the singing because since the very first day when I was here, I started to learn uh, Georgian polyphony. Um, I got introduced uh, to people who were singing from these friends that I had in France that I had met on this festival, and and so on. So. Uh, I found the, the the experience so incredible that after a year it was only the beginning, and uh, I continued to learn, and still here I am after fourteen years. <laughs> so, oh, from your introduction and just just starting, I'm kind of it, it takes me back to not not long ago um, when. I was at the ninth symposium, International Symposium, 2008, and you were at the symposium, but also your family were at the symposium singing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How did that happen? Uh, well, first it happened from the... Uh, I realized that in Georgia, people like hearing people singing in a family, and that we have... Uh, we have um, often what they call Saujahu Ensemble, the family ensemble, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I had never thought before that I also have a family, actually, and <laughs> they can also sing. So when uh, we were thinking about the next symposium arriving, I, I um, suddenly realized that uh, probably the main person that taught me singing, or at least from uh, whom I am uh, I have taken, let's say, this uh, passion of singing is my father. Uh, so he used to sing to me uh, since my childhood. And uh, he's a very good singer, although we didn't actually really sing together so much. But uh, by the way, he uh, got quite interested in the polyphonic, the, in the Georgian polyphonic singing as well, since I was living here and uh, talking to him about this. So I knew that he knew some Georgian songs uh, and I knew as well that my sister can sing, my brother can sing. So it was a kind of challenge. Okay, they are in France, I'm here. <laughs> we don't get to uh, gather so often, but why not try, why not try to do something? Mm. And this, this is why I... Uh, proposed to the organizers of the festival of the, the symposium, and they said, "Yeah, that would be the great idea." So the challenge was really hard because we only had like a couple of days, basically, to to prepare this uh, repertoire for for the concert. But finally, we did it, and we sang Georgian songs as well as um, Basque songs and uh, Occitan <laughs> songs, so from France. Oh wow! Such a lovely concert. <laughs> yeah, it's great to have those combined. And I've actually just been listening to your album, Camellia's album. Mm -hmm. That's your ensemble in Tbilisi, and you haven't just got Georgian songs on there either, have you? Yes. Yeah. So we have um, a few songs from the Middle Ages and from Renaissance period in France. Uh, we have one, for example, for, uh, for example, from Guillaume de Machaut. And we decided to uh, perform that because we love the harmonies that are in there. And somehow we find uh, ancient 
uh, George and Polyphony uh, having some similarities. I mean, we, we can, mm, let's say, find a kind of common soul with these harmonies. Um, and mm -hmm. I found it interesting to combine uh, Georgian and French polyphony. And we did so in the album so that it's kind of mixed. So it's not first parts uh, French and second Georgian, but we try to uh, put them together to have another um, way of listening to them. And you were chatting the other day that you're starting to think about a second album. Have you? Can you share your thoughts about that? Yes. So we we recorded this album last year in March, and uh, I thought that as a challenge first, um, and because we did uh, have uh, accumulate uh, other songs as well that we couldn't record yet um, as Camellia. And we just want to share more to to, to the, the the people, so that would be um, great if we could uh, record the next one. Of course, it's a little bit hard now with the sanitary situation. Uh, so let's see. But I'm hoping for beginning of uh, 2021 at least it will be ready. We will continue uh, recording some Georgian songs. Uh, as well as other songs as well. And what we want to introduce also in this new album would uh, probably be some collaborations with uh, other singers uh, or um, instrumentalists. For example, we had uh, this one song recorded with uh, Dato Hositashuli, uh, that uh, So it was Batara Beach Idamik Arga, a quite famous song city song from oriental style let's say and uh, Dato had the idea to um, well we wanted to make a little bit different version because this is quite a famous song so um, he did a, a small arrangement with a guitar so that it sounds um, let's say our own way or his own way and not the not the usual one so in general, I, I'm really interested in the, in collaboration with uh, different artists. Also, maybe why not in the future collaborate with uh, experimental musicians, uh, musicians that uh, work with electronic music as well. Maybe not now for the second one, but for the third, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the third experimental album, right? Exactly. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, I think it's clear that you're um, a natural in collaboration. And I was saying to Susan that um, you come across as someone who wants to gather people together and you have a natural joy of bringing people together. So you bring your family together as an ensemble. You've come to Georgia, you've brought together an ensemble there, Camellia. And you also brought together, you were a businesswoman as well, and you brought together something there with Zoestan, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, thank you for these words. It's true that I, I like uh, when I see people gathering and uh, enjoying um, good time together, especially when they when there is something that connects them. And music, especially singing, is a, is a wonderful way, I think, of uh, sharing um, emotions and sharing, um, let's say, man many, many things, actually. So... Um, this is probably why I like not only singing, but singing in polyphony, singing together with other people. So this, the idea of Zoestan, which was a bar for, it was functioning for five years, uh, was first to have a place where I could um, gather uh, some people who would like to listen to traditional music. So uh, I would organize sometimes small concerts 
of um, traditional ensembles. And that was probably the part that I liked the most. It was really, really nice to have uh, these people gathering uh, for the people singing, but as well for this public that was enjoying it. So from the point of view of the organizer, that was really, really nice to, to see and to, and to feel. And as uh, so you were saying that I like bringing people together. Yeah, Nkimilia, for example, it is true that probably the most important for me is not only singing, but singing with the people that I love, with people that, that I'm friends with. Um, and, and this is the case, like uh, we get along very well. And uh, that is why I don't think that we, we will stop singing, probably. <laughs> uh, I think it's really uh, some like a condition number one uh, to have um, an ensemble, whatever the number of people is, is uh, to be to feel well and to enjoy being with these people. Um, but if they sing well, it's even better <laughs> than. <laughs> But uh, and these voices together, it's, it's great. But, I, you know, it's, it first, for sure, passes through this uh, relationship, through this friendship. Well, yeah, and I, I suppose singing together only strengthens that relationship. Exactly, exactly. So, Zoe, um, when we were preparing for the for the, the um, interview, I was chatting with Nino Nanayishvili, and uh, she holds you in very high regard, I have to say. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you used to sing for a while with Ialoni. And yes. I remember coming across you when you'd very recently joined. I think they were um, start releasing one of their albums and they had a concert at the Folk Garden. And you were saying just how hard it was and how many how many words you had to learn in a very short space mm-hmm. of time. And I just thought you'd like to hear that, you know, Nino's words were um, of having you in the ensemble was that she she your ability to sing the middle voice in Mingrelian songs, she just thinks is unsurpassed. So <laughs> all your hard work, it was well worth it. It's really nice to, to listen to these words. Thank you. You know, it was for me as well a wonderful um, experience. And it was the first time actually that I was invited to sing in a Georgian ensemble with Georgian people. Um so I, I joined Yaloni in 2016, I think, or 15. I don't remember exactly. But uh, before, I had been living here for almost 10 years <laughs> uh, without being able, actually, to join properly, let, let's say, a choir. Yes, I did uh, sing with supras and with friends in general around the table and stuff, uh, but... I think uh, joining a choir was uh, like a second or third step that was not so easy to um, to make as a as a foreigner. So talking to Nino, I um, was mentioning that I would like you know I, I would like to sing uh, in an ensemble and that I was planning to cre- to uh, create my own choir for that. Uh, then she said, Ah, by the way, you know you could maybe as a first experience you could. Try and sing with us, and I was like, "Yeah, I didn't expect at all this invitation. It was really nice." So um, I sang with them uh, a couple of years. Yalon is a female choir, and yeah, I did. I did learn a lot from being in a choir, being with Georgian people, and it was um, good experience. I think that helped me as well uh, when I decided, because in, in the end, my my idea was anyway to create my own ensemble because I had my own view and, you know, like, um, as a musician. So, yeah, that that was um, definitely a, um, an important part of my experience as a, as a singer. Mm-hmm. Chelpino, 
learn your songs and who do you learn them from I know you mentioned your father is your first teacher mm-hmm. um, and then this uh, festival in the Caucasus where you first heard Georgian songs but then when you came to Georgia how do you pick up new songs uh, yeah so uh, good question actually I I always ask myself by the way where did I learn this song from and uh, I'm uh, now happy to realized that uh, I have I have had so many teachers that sometimes I cannot say exactly from where I learned what but uh, that was what was uh, wonderful for me is was to be able to join some supra some uh, gathering at uh, at homes with different th- friends that I made uh, time by time so I would say first the first uh, source for me of learning was uh, just attending rehearsals from different choirs, even though I didn't have, like, I never had actually private lessons as such. Um, but sometime, you know, I, w- I would always uh, carry my um, my notebook uh, where I would write down the words uh, and I would always manage to uh, find an opportunity to ask the person, okay, the song that you just sung now, can you just tell me the, the lyrics? And then I would try to uh, remember it or recording it, you know, with my recorder. And then um, people would be kind enough as well to just teach me on the go, <laughs> let's say, uh, the three parts. Because, you know, as a musician, of course, it was never um, too difficult for me to to separate in my mind, you know, the three voices, uh, the three parts. And as they always say, you don't know completely the song until you uh, you know the three parts right mm-hmm. so this was something really fascinating for me to see how they uh, interact these these parts how you can also improvise a little bit of course on each uh, of these parts and uh, as a source of learning of course i should mention uh, as well uh, the, the 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 archive recordings uh, at that time there was this radio uh, folk radio <laughs> uh, that was uh, actually playing only folk uh, music. So I would, for the first couple of years, I think I was listening only exclusively to uh, um, old Georgian folk songs. And you know, it's even though you are not you were not born in the country, I think uh, if you uh, listen to it constantly, then you in the end kind of get the feeling that there is something that sounds natural or not natural so that you would be able to mm. uh, decide uh, the way you want to interpret the way you want to perform this song because you have kind of you know understanding uh, in um not theoretically but uh practically because listening to uh, recordings or even to um, real people, but listening is is practice as well. I think for 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 learning. Yes, I I have a daughter who um, has attended many rehearsals and workshops with me, and and as a child, so she would be seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven sort of mm-hmm. age. And the adults in the room would despair of her and think she wasn't learning because she didn't sit still and she didn't pay attention. I knew that just the very fact that she was in the room and the sound was all around her, that it was getting into her body somehow. So, yes. And now she's a musician, so yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, yeah, that's it, exactly. And I should mention as well, of course, uh, people... So that was, you know, I was, I, I've always believed in Tbilisi since I'm uh, in Georgia. Uh, so this is my base, let's say. But of course... Um, I did have uh, traveled a lot in, in the regions, in, in the countryside, and this was also a very important part uh, of my uh, studying process, is to go um, to Svaneti, to go to Samegrelo, uh, to go to Achara, Guria, Kacheti as well, where there were this uh, wonderful, how to say, tradition uh, bring uh, holders, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a lovely word. 
<laughs> from Nino, she uses the word ethnopore for somebody that lives in the village. Exactly. And yes. So they, I wanted to say, but I was not sure in English because they say like in, in Georgian <laughs> ethnopore. Yeah. yeah. So one example was Polikarpe Hubulava, for example, in Samegrelo, uh, whom I uh, knew very well. And I was re really like, we can say good friends with him. And uh, I, I got to meet him in 2007 already. So um, for years I would go. And sometimes I remember when I, I was kind of uh, burned out in, in my uh, uh, in my work, I was working in, in an office at that time. I decided once to go to San Miguelo and for one week uh, go and uh, uh, being only busy with uh, learning uh, Megrelan songs with Polycarpe. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I will never forget that. You know, I still have like recordings of some duo of me with Polycarpe who wow. passed away, unfortunately. Mm. a few years ago mm. what a treasure yeah, yeah real treasure about bringing other choirs to Georgia and traveling around and showing them the re regions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I've, uh, since 2013, every year, I have been uh, bringing some people, mostly from France, uh, so people who are interested in Georgian or even in polyphony from different parts of the world sometimes. Um, I bring them some, so that they can discover Georgian polyphony and at the same time, discover uh, not only the songs, but the culture, uh, the hospitality and uh, many things. And of course, countryside and, and landscapes and stuff. So uh, what I generally do is that for 10 days or two weeks, uh, uh, they come to, to Georgia and we go directly to the villages. Uh, so mostly I have been traveling with them to Western Georgia for the moment, but I'm planning to go uh, in the next years to Eastern Georgia as well. So we've been to Guria, Samegrelo, uh, Achara and Svaneti, of course, with the uh, Chamgelianis, uh, <laughs> with, with the family from Lachushti, <laughs> a wonderful family of singers. And... Um, it's always uh, like a really, really uh, big happiness to see these people gathering. So French people who enjoy and discover uh, Georgian songs and uh, Georgian people who get to know a little bit more about French people. And there is a real ec cultural exchange taking place at this, at this time, which is like taking place very natural, like naturally, I would say. You know, uh, and so it's like 24 hours of, uh, uh, you know, nonstop. Uh, something is happening all the time. They would try to learn a little bit of the language um, from both sides. And uh, so, yeah, singing is just, again, another way, a wonderful way to, uh, to get people um, together. So uh, during these uh, stays, during these workshops, let's say, I am mostly, so I'm involved in the uh, pedagogical part as well, since I have now gathered some experience as a teacher, uh, which is something else that I um, realize that enjoy, I enjoy as well very much. Uh, so apart from performing, I think teaching is also a really wonderful way to learn even better. So when you teach, um, well, I have the feeling that I'm really, really uh, getting uh, deeper into that song and uh, so I love this this process and I, and I love really uh, seeing people enjoying it uh, so yeah I think that's probably my my favorite 
professional activity is to teach and uh, to see uh, people then you know coming from nothing go you know to see this musical product if you can call at the end uh, I think that's wonderful are you teaching at the moment so at the moment with this uh, sanitary situation complicated of course in 2020 some people from France that I knew from my workshops uh, Um, asked me if I could organize some online lessons. So in the beginning, they would want like maybe some individual lessons because I didn't realize how we could do, you know, choir online. Uh, but then um, time by time, we managed to set a, a, a situation where we could uh, have an online class for actually quite a lot of people. So uh, since April or May, now I have been teaching online uh, with sessions that actually sometimes gather... Well, now I have to fix a, a maximum number of people because the first during the first session, uh, almost 80 people came. So it was really like too much. Eight so zero. Eight zero, yeah, exactly. So I realized, wow. But the, of course, this was because... Uh, the, people in France were uh, quarantined, right? They didn't have the right to go out. So many people had time and they responded, yes, you know, my first sessions were like, okay, you can, I'm, I'm just offering this and, uh, you know, I was not, I didn't put like uh, any limits, but then well, I realized, okay, let's at least divide into three and, um So yeah, after that I continued, and now I'm trying to build more and more, uh, how to say, a system where, you know, uh, if I the more I have students, the more I can separate uh, them into uh, different levels, different interests. Because I there are some people now who are completely completely beginners. They just like singing, maybe not more than in the shower, but uh, they they just okay, listen to a Jordan song once and they thought, okay, maybe I should, I could try to, to do something. Uh, so I'm, what I like in this um, situation is to introduce them not only to the songs, but to the country a little bit, you know, talking about the different regions uh, and explaining how differently you can sing uh, depending on the, the origin uh, of, of the particular song. So in my so I have now set a, a kind of introduction introductory workshop that I, I organize uh, over a weekend where uh, people get to know uh, specific regions, uh, some look you know what characterized them um, visually as well, <laughs> a little bit historically and uh, of course musically speaking. So this is something I think in my in my uh, teaching um, my, my, the, the, the style for me that is uh, closer for me is really to uh, this um, the st stylistic approach so regional approach so I really uh, pay, a lot, pay a lot of attention on the uh, manner uh, performing manner so before we uh, start to learn a song of course we should uh, know what it is about but also where it is from and what is expected from the, the, this uh, style, the musical style, um, as, a, as a performer. And then uh, we can try, you know, some different vocal techniques that are specific to that region. This is actually something that I have only learned through my practice and through listening and through um, singing with, with these people a lot, with Jordan people. Uh, but this was not something that was put into words to me. And uh, so as a, as a person uh, that needed at the time to, um, how to say, to um, not to, well, somehow to imitate, yeah, when we talk about the manner, um, I had to find in my own uh, body, let's say, in my own uh, vocal um, uh, machine, I don't know how to say in, my, in, in English, Uh, how to do, what to do, what is, what, what do I feel when I do this or this particular, let's say, for example, Megrelian song, yeah? Mm -hmm. So um, it's a kind of mixture between um, uh, words when you want to transmit it to someone 
uh, I like using images. Like imagine that you have this and this and that, or you are you are on a cloud, or you are uh, on a train, or whatever. <laughs> I didn't realize, but the pe- uh, students keep telling me like, oh yeah, it's a, it's it's crazy how many images you have in your mind. I didn't realize, and then that oh yeah, it's true actually. I always talk about you know different. Uh, things that uh, are not happening, but that I, that I just imagine and that helps me to perform. So it's a mixture of these images and also some physical things that are happening inside because I also did follow a course as um, to become a voice teacher. So that was in um, France, but it was conducted mostly online. Uh, it was uh, three, four years ago. And um, I felt I, need, I needed this course. It was a one-year course uh, designed for um, any people who wanted to teach other people how to develop their vocal potential. So uh, this approach is called Chant Voix et Corps, Singing, Voice and Body. So it's a physical uh, approach of um, voice pedagogy. And uh, so I learned a lot about how the voice is functioning, what is going on in our body, but even more importantly, how important it is to try to connect uh, mentally to our feelings uh, and always keeping in mind that when we sing, we use, uh, we use an instrument, which is our body. So um, not only limiting the, 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 the vocal production to our vocal cords. This is only one part, but the, the whole body is actually involved in, in this process. Uh, so um, in this approach, uh, we um, pay a lot of uh, attention to uh, free, let's say, free our body to be able to free our voice. And by this uh, process of freeing the voice, you can... Uh, sing in different styles, which is actually the like the the, the latest uh, aim, I would say. Um, and it's really um, the case for Georgian singing because it's uh, different styles that you can sing in one, let's say, Georgian big Georgian tradition. Actually, it's completely different to sing Kachetian song and to sing Svanetian or Megrelian, right? Um, so of course the, the, the teacher that I had uh, was absolutely not uh, I mean she didn't know anything about Jordan's singing but in general uh, she was teaching about the, the, the voice and this uh, was really useful for me to apply to this uh, uh, to, to the Georgian reality and um, what is what is um, let's say common to different Georgian songs and what is uh, specific to this region or this region. I think this is really uh, interesting. Like uh, I'm really passionate passion about that. Uh, and I really, really <laughs> need to uh, know more about that. And I think it will be probably one of the constant things that I will always be learning through my life. And mm-hmm. it's really only the beginning. Oh, I so want to put you together with, with um the person who used to lead Mass Vinzelli, um, who was a Georgian woman, but who spent time in France, in Paris, um, because when she was teaching, she would be trying trying to convey, like you're saying, wrestling with how to convey the different ways of singing in the different regions. It was just, and when you were speaking, it just brought her, her words to mind somehow. So I will put you in touch with each other because I think you will have fascinating ah, conversations. <laughs> sure, with, with pleasure, with big pleasure. also really interested in this psychophysical approach to singing and um, I was wondering do you see that in Georgians do you see that they change their body or that they have a free and relaxed body when they sing and is it something that they actively think about or does it just come naturally to them? 
Yeah, it's a really good question. Actually, actually, I think there is a big difference uh, when it comes to Georgians uh, between what's happening on stage and what's happening on the supra, right? <laughs> what's happening around the table. Uh, so I always uh, make this comment to, to Georgian friends uh, that on stage, they don't uh, seem as free as they are around the table. And that is for sure that me as a, a performer, what I learned the most was not on the stage, listening to them on the stage, but really, really much more in a authentic, um, mm-hmm. uh, let's say, uh, setup. And in authentic, I just mean like re- like real, real. I don't mean a, a certain type of uh, singing, like singing like this or this or that. Mm-hmm. But in authenticity, I mean like real feelings and free feelings. Uh, so when you are you are you are waiting for Khachapuri and you sing, you don't have the same uh, expectation about yourself uh, while performing than when you are on the stage and when you are have all the specialists listening to you, right? <laughs> so uh, I think uh, yes, it, it is a, a good question. Like what, uh, how to deal with this fact that we at the same time want to be traditional musicians, but at the same time. Uh, we we want to perform. We want to sh- show our art, let's say, to public. So how to do that? Yeah, uh, of course. It often it goes through this stage, like it's a kind of necessary um, procedure, let's say. But um, I think there is something to think about now here. Maybe different way of uh, uh, considering stage. It could be like. Uh, informal stage it could be stage without stage let's say for example even <clears throat> uh, when I had my bar in Zoestan we did have a small stage but it's like maybe it's, it really didn't uh, look like a stage uh, but uh, at the end we were thinking maybe having people singing on the table you know and not and and, and then uh, the people that would be around could listen to them and it would be a much more natural um way of uh, things happening right so uh this is this is an option well, i think when in general yeah it it's it is dif- dif- difficult to be uh, uh very free when you are on stage uh although if 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 you manage to do that, that that's wonderful so yeah to i don't know if i answer to your question holly <laughs> but uh, i wouldn't say that naturally especially on stage they are free and that they would they, but I mean anyone, and not only Georges, um, gain a lot from really, you know, free uh, yourself, even on stage, uh, and consider not uh, consider that you have a um, that the most important thing in your singing will be to transmit your emotions, to transmit your musicality, rather than that. Uh, you know, performing exactly the same way as someone 100 years ago was performing. So that is, I think, from my point of view, is something that we should always keep in mind while performing wherever we are. Oh. Um, Zoe, what does Voices of the Ancestors mean to you, if anything? Hmm. That's a good question. I should think about it a little bit. <laughs> Voices of the Ancestors. So that's a really nice, beautiful name that for me, for sure, uh, refers to first, of course, this ancient time. Why it refers to the fact that we have uh, singing, we have polyphony that comes from a time where it's, uh, we don't know from when exactly it is coming from. So Ancestors, to me, it evokes um, a kind of <clears throat> uncertain time. Uh, so there is something about uh, ancestry, <laughs> uh, and as well ancestor in, in in the sense of the blood, yeah, of someone who is who was before you. 
it's interesting for me as a non-Georgian because if we talk about Georgian singing, can I consider these people who were singing like hundreds of years ago as my ancestors? Uh, it is difficult to respond to that. But uh, I guess that we can also consider ancestors as like globally seen uh, on a, a worldwide ancestors because even for Georgians, they might be Georgians, but they might not have in their family in the past people singing, but still ancestors as, as a common mm, treasure, let's say, for, for the world. Maybe you sh we should, not we should, but we can <laughs> consider that this is a, a worldwide um, mm, treasure. <laughs> yes, I like to think of worldwide ancestors being, being our global treasure. That's delightful and delicious. Thank you. Yeah, so Zoe, one of the things I'm curious to ask you, with your experience of living here and running a business here and singing in a fe all-female ensemble and now running a mixed ensemble, is just your take on um, the balance between the sexes, between men and women, and just, yeah, mm -hmm. your perspective. Yeah, <laughs> very good question. Well, I think in general, this is uh, probably not in Georgia, but a worldwide uh, question, uh, that it is difficult to be a woman <laughs> and uh, that uh, s many people do not realize, especially, especially from the men point of view. Uh, yes, uh, we do say that uh, men and women are equal, but when it comes to the reality and to the facts, it is not the same, actually. So there is, uh, unfortunately, a big um, difference between what is uh, written on the paper and what actually happens. So... Uh, in Georgia, it, it is also quite um, obvious, I would say, uh, that uh, there is a, a lot of uh, uh, things um, expected from a woman. And when it comes to singing, if you if you look at the <laughs> singing situation of the choirs, uh, most of the choirs are um, masculine, right? It's uh, men's choirs. Okay, it is difficult to say exactly why, how it happened and stuff, but uh, probably one of the, the reasons would be as well that uh, when uh, women get married, they they are expected to, uh, to, to do a lot at home and uh, they do not have much time. Mm, maybe not everyone would agree with that, but I am sh for sure I have seen even, even in, in uh, female choirs, people having to... Uh, to quit because uh, they were um, getting married or because, you know, and this is less the case when you are uh, a man. So, uh, <laughs> of course, I would definitely um, love to see in the future uh, a society where it will be equally uh, feasible for any <laughs> gender uh, to, um, to spend time for themselves and to spend time uh, enjoying their activity. Uh, should there be a, a man or a woman? Um, yeah, although for, uh, sh we should not uh, for, forget that there are as well female choirs like Yaloni, but like others as well. And I think it is really crucial that these uh, continue and that we do not see only uh, men uh, uh, on stage. Mm, I think uh, female choirs uh, do have a, another... Uh, style when it comes to, to singing as well and, and basically I would say that uh, um, both are needed and it is also uh, interesting to me to have uh, choirs that are mixed so uh, for example I decided to uh, sing with men in Kimilia um, some people prefer to have like only women or only men but actually I think it, it gives a a kind of different color as well and um, I am definitely interested in, in that 
as well how we can mix both types of, uh, of uh, timbers. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic in your group, um, which I haven't seen much before. It's like you're the founder and leader, I guess, of the ensemble yeah. and the rest of the members. It's it's three men, right? Exactly. Um, yeah, so at the moment we are only three with uh, two other guys uh, and we are looking for a base, <laughs> which we are missing right at the moment. Uh, it was not my uh, intention in the beginning to be singing only with men, but it happened like that, that I found these people uh, with whom I uh, wanted to sing and they didn't have another choir experience. And somehow it was mostly connected to our friendship. And now the fact is that these two people who are singing with me now, they also have quite high voices. So uh, we we wouldn't hire another woman. Otherwise, it would be, of course, ideal. I would love to have a, a choir like with uh, half women and half men. But uh, physically speaking, it would be hard. Even uh, unless we find a bass, Bani, which is a woman, but it's a little bit unlikely. <laughs> oh, there are some beautiful women out there with the most delicious bass voices. You just never know who might walk through the door, Zoe. Exactly. I, I really dream of that. Like It, it has been, a, a, how to say, a big question for me lately, where to find uh, the person that we can sing with. Yes. Well, good luck on the search. Thank you. <laughs> and thank, thank you. you. Yeah. It's yeah. really nice to talk to you and, and to answer to your questions. I was a bit like, okay, I have nothing to say. What should I say? But, you know... <laughs> when you start then some things come to your mind and yeah yeah so I have sitting here today I have learned so much in the last half an hour Zoe so really? yeah <laughs> seriously seriously thank Great. you for, for uh, asking this question and I'm sure you know it's also it this kind of uh, interviews it would be even greater after like 10 years or 20 years when you remember what your thoughts were Thank you for the invitation, really. It was a pleasure. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure yeah. for us, too. It really has. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Voices of the Ancestors with Holly taylor Zuntz and Susan Thompson. Our guest was Zoe Perret. If you'd like to hear more, please sign up to receive our email updates. You can do that by visiting our website, www.voicesoftheancestors.co.uk and clicking Contact Us, or just click the link in the show notes. Thank you to our listeners who have bought us a coffee. This is such a simple way to support the show and helps to make more episodes. The music in today's episode is by Camilla and Ialoni, with a field recording of Zoe Pere and Polycarpe Kubulava. Ya na na de, ya de, ya na.